0: Welcome to the Innovative Leader Podcast with Christy Geiger, Master Certified Coach and David Phillips, Educator, Analyst and Consultant. Our mission is to equip, inspire and transform how we lead in life and work. In today's rapidly evolving world, raising the level of leadership is more important than ever before. Weekly topics support you to navigate the changing tide of business and leadership. Here are your hosts, Christy and David.
1: Good afternoon. Hi, David.
0: Hey, um, how are you, Christy?
1: Good. How are you doing?
0: I'm Doing all right today. It's, it's good.
1: Good. Well, we are excited leaders. Thank you for joining us for the Innovative Leader podcast. We're excited to be with you today. We're at the top of or we're kind of in the middle, I guess, of March, uh, but things are going pretty well. Uh, Today, we are noticing just kind of a theme as we continue to play off from 2020, moving into 2021, really this theme around curiosity. And today, what we'd like to talk about is the development of curiosity as a skill, both internally for ourselves as leaders, and also developing the skill within our organizations. Because when cultures are curious and learning, it shifts the way that we operate. It shifts the perspectives that we see, and it shifts the way that we are able to adapt and evolve. And without the curiosity, we often get stuck and we have limited perspective and we're unable to evolve the way that we need to. So today we'd like to dive into three different areas around what slows down curiosity why should we be curious? What is that going to do for you and how to cultivate curiosity? So David, jumping into that in yeah. your experience, both culturally and for leaders, what is it that shuts down curiosity? How do we do that accidentally when we don't even mean
0: to? Um, so when leader, when, when the, when the culture of the organization um, is about is about maintaining status quo. That shuts down curiosity. Hmm. When when you have um, a leader in the organization who um, you've been in those scenarios where only uh, the, their ideas are the only ideas that get moved forward. That shuts down curiosity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, when when so uh, when the leader. The leader has to be right, uh, regardless of the truth. That shuts down curiosity. So, so I mean, those are the situations I've been when been in when when you've got a culture uh, that that really is not innovative. They're not they're not worried about uncovering new ideas when they when the the culture itself uh, the culture itself kind of suppresses um, innovation and creativity, that, that's a huge red flag for me. Um, and then also, you know, you kind of see that playing out in, uh, in like the leaders of the teams or or maybe the leadership uh, of the organization as a whole, where they, um, the only idea they worry about is theirs. And so trying to get something through is really, you, you have to convince them that it's their idea. Mm -hmm. Um, which often can be you know, frustrating and you know, an issue or where they have to be right regardless of, of whether they're, they're right. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that will shut down um, curiosity in a heartbeat because nobody wants to challenge that um, and, and nobody wants to, to, to put the work in to try to convince them that it's their idea. It just wears you, it, over time, it wears you down.
1: Yeah. It seems to erode motivation. Why, why bother? Why
0: battle? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So how about you? What, what, what have you experienced or what, I know you you know, work when you work with clients, what, what's that expression look like with them?
1: Well, I think it's similar to what you're talking about. I feel like what you're saying with the maintaining or the, idea or needing to be right. A lot of times it's about our ego and yeah. our ego is really what needs to be right. or our ego is the one that needs to be seen as. And to me, Bernie Brown will use that con- that concept about how we need to be seen. and other people use it as well, but just that a lot of times our ego needs to be seen a certain way. And so related to that, I think, and similar, maybe it's the same thing, I just feel like we turn into this telling culture. So because I need to be seen as, we shut down curiosity because I move into this place of knowing and this place of telling. So we may, someone may say something, and there you might say, Christy, um, oh, I was out at the park, and I learned that the birds are migrating uh, through Atlanta this time of the year. And I'm like, oh, I know. And you're like, what? but if i if i'm like oh i already know it, we're done with the conversation you're like oh okay never mind yeah. and you stop talking because i already knew right versus if i would say oh wow, that's really interesting. I haven't studied that before. What birds are migrating through Atlanta? What birds did you see? How did you know that? What did you learn about that? What was interesting to you about that? And it doesn't even matter, even though maybe I have studied bird migration in North Carolina, which is very similar uh, to Georgia, you know, maybe we could have more commonality in that as I'm like, oh, I noticed the the Robin migration in North Carolina, which birds right. did you notice that were migrating? That's still, and this is like a completely silly example, but it's the way curiosity works. And so if I know I close the conversation, if I have to be the sage on the stage, the divine expert being seen with all the information, I shut down curiosity because I'm not being curious and I'm not allowing someone else to be curious versus if I'm curious and I'm like, oh, what what birds did you see? How did you notice that? What were you observing? How did you study that? Not only am I being curious myself, but now I'm stirring more of your curiosity because you're like, well, I was sitting in the park and I saw these cardinals and there was an unusual number of them. So it caused me to do a little research and here's what I found. So now the conversation, the curiosity continues. So as soon as we have to tell, or as soon as we have to know, and this goes into this whole theme right now about biases and how we have these biases that we don't even recognize, we kill our ability to learn and we kill our ability to have new perspective because if we assume our bias is correct and we assume our bias is the only way to think, we're not curious and now we can no longer have more to discover and explore because we feel like we know it all
0: yeah you know so as you were talking i was i was wondering you know let's talk let's let's jump back to the migrating birds in atlanta (laughs) if you said that um if you said that to me um and i knew already like i had seen it Mm -hmm. um if i said you know what i did see that what do you think about that 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 in uh, that kind of keeps that conversation going, mm-hmm. um, uh, because maybe I read the headline and didn't read the whole article, um, or or if I if I began to express genuine interest in what you knew about it, mm-hmm. uh, does that does that kind of uh, take care of some of those telling and knowing things? Uh, that you you just talked about
1: for sure but also
0: it's noticing
1: so you could say that you could say oh I do happen to know it's not that we have to play dumb like you know something and you're like oh I had no idea how to raise children that's a brand new concept to me even though I have my kids and I've been doing that for a while right like you don't have to lie you don't have to be um ignorantly not knowing something. But to your point, you could say, oh, I have actually studied migration in Atlanta too. What bird did you see in the park? What did you notice was migrating? So rather than making the assumption that you're talking about the same thing, you're not making the assumption. You're you're like, wow, yeah, I love migration too. What did you see? Who was migrating? What bird was migrating? Right. Because now you're still being curious. You're not, because sometimes also it can create And not in the bird um, conversation, but in work, sometimes it stirs competitiveness, where you're really more in the tug of war about, you know, whose cheese is bigger and whatnot, right? Because we're in this competition around who knows more and who has higher clout and status and whatnot. And, but... If I can establish like, yes, I find that really interesting too. Tell me more about your experience. What did you notice? What did you see? Why was that fascinating to you? You're still honoring that person bringing up that conversation and being curious to meet them where they're at versus having to, to me, I almost imagine it like a flashlight and you're stealing where the spotlight is. Like the spotlight was on that person asking a question and you're like, what? No, the spotlight's on me, I know about migration, let me tell you something. That's kind of what we do, that is this antithesis of curiosity, is this needing to be seen as competent. And in our 2.0 world, competency was a very prized skill and we worked hard for competency. We were moving from an era where people didn't even finish eighth grade and then really our parents' generation is the one, you know, for us as Gen X, our parents as the baby boomers or really just before that are the ones that went to college and that was a big deal. Our generation in the Gen X was, wow, let's get our master's degree and our PhD. And so this quest for competency and knowledge and understanding was a very prized skill, but we're tipping on the other side of this bubble and two, it's not the price skill to have all this knowledge. The prize skill is to have the skill of curiosity to not know and to be open and to ask questions.
0: Yeah, um, exactly. Um, I, I was also thinking uh, in terms of uh, something else that, that shuts down curiosity, and that's control. Mm. Um, so I, I was, for some reason, uh, the hunter ga- the hunger games popped in my head. Um, you know there was there was this level of control. They didn't want anybody to know about um, what was on the other side of the fence or about the the group that had hidden underground. Those kinds of things. You see you see some of that as well uh, when you think about the the Taliban um, burning the art and destroying books. You, you see that uh, in in that period of time when. When uh, burning books in America was was a you know a, a topic where they didn't want you to be exposed, so it was um, uh, right. They were the they were the garters of truth. They were the garters, um, the the custodians of uh, of what was moral and right, um, and so it gets couched in that that framework as well. Um, you, you know. Even if even go back to the medieval times, and you think about um, the impact of that uh, of the church in um, in that you know so curiosity that everything that they wanted you you should worry about was was found within the confines of the church, and then you have people like Galileo, and and, and then you have the Renaissance that that flowed from um, Florence. Uh, Florence, Italy. So, so I've, there's this level of control that that organizations or you know cultures have that they want to squash curiosity because they are in power and they want to keep that power. Um, that I think that's another thing that squashes curiosity.
1: It's interesting because it definitely seems like a cycle or a ripple, right? As there's that rise of the power and control it's this rise of knowing because really it sends the message of the people who are in power and control are the ones who know. So yeah. why would I want to be somebody who doesn't know? The name of the game is to know if I want power and control, which is right. a very seductive kind of a siren, so to speak, right? So yep. then there becomes this quest of knowing, but then as there's the quest of knowing, you becomes this explosion of power and control. And really, on the other side of power and control, there has to be the minions, there has to be the people who are the followers and the people who don't know and are lesser than, which I think in a society, as you begin to recognize that, you're like, wait a minute, what is that? That's not okay. And so then there becomes this quest for balance and equality. And I think we're in that, right? We're in this quest for balance and equality. And so coupled with that becomes this desire for curiosity, because when you're curious, it's more of an equal playing field. Even though I may have no experience and you have years of experience, we meet on this playing field because we both have something valuable to offer. And that's a hard concept to when you have been groomed in the 2.0 world, that's very difficult to say, how can that brand new hire walk in and possibly offer any value when I have been working my tail off and I've spent 40 years in this organization, I've grown with it, I've been through the pains, how can this brand new person walk in and tell me something? And that is super painful to figure out how to be curious, but that's the shift that's really coming and that leaders have to figure out and embrace.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: Okay, so let's. I, to, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say that's all good. I, I was going to move into to to our our next point.
1: Yeah. So why why be curious then? So whatever we just said that the shift is happening, but why why do we need to be curious? Why can't we just stay in this? this era of 2.0 where we can stay in power and control and knowledge what's wrong with that
0: <laughs> yeah exactly so um so i and this is going to sound odd but um so I, I found this article today uh and it, it talks about the power of curiosity and the five benefits of curiosity this is from a personal development standpoint so let me just run through these real quick um the, the first one was health that that people who are more curious have better health. Uh, the second is intelligence, uh, so that is a, uh, an aspect of uh, or a benefit of being curious. curious. The third was social relationships, um, so I mean that, that almost makes sense that you, you grow bigger, you, your, your social your relationships grow because as you're curious about something, you begin to engage people um, who are, you know, experts in that field or who have uh, knowledge in that field. Mm-hmm. The, the fourth was happiness. Um, and essentially, you know, it was this feeling of being able to, um, th- that you learn something. Uh, and so it makes you feel happy. Uh, the fifth was meaning. Um, so so how much meaning and passion we experience in life uh was was a was a big one. Um it you know it's the entry point curiosity is the entry point for uh, you know hobbies and interests and passions and those kinds of things. And so it helps you know give us meaning, uh get us involved in something bigger than than we are. So on a personal level, there's there's those five benefits. Uh, from an organizational standpoint, if you've got a culture of curiosity, then there's there's going to be creativity that goes on. There's going to be uh, um, uh, innovation that goes on because you see something, you wonder, huh, why does that happen? You begin to break it down, and then you can see how to p- potentially build a better mousetrap, uh, for instance. And so, so there's those two aspects from an organizational standpoint as well. And I think you you when you When you build that culture, you attract those people. And so now you have a whole organization full of creatives and, and innovators. And all that does is drive your, you know, drive your, your business forward. Now there's a whole different level of, of leading those kinds of people because they're unique. Um, but, uh, but, but it helps it would, it will drive your organization forward. Um, and, and, so you've got to have that. As a leader, you have to have that mindset because you gotta you gotta gotta let them go sometimes. So.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's great. Those benefits are awesome. That is really true with health. Um, how that supports our hobbies and relaxing and things like that. The intelligence. I think that really is a fuel to learning. Um, social relationships like you said engagement Um, but also it just says your voice matters and you're valuable so back to our park and bird example it says I actually care that you had an observation and I want to hear what you say which is very valuable and says you matter so I can see that happiness that reminds me a lot of the neuropsychology that we talk about um, and how when we make new insights and new connections you actually have a rush of positive brain chemicals right. when you're making those new insights. So there's happiness because you had the learning of intelligence and the connection and things like that. And then just this whole, the meaning, like now you start to make these connections versus when you know, it's a dead end. So if yes. I said that and you're like, oh, I already know. The conversation is over. There's nothing to talk about. There's no connections to be made. There's no insights to be had. There's nothing to discover. So yeah, that completely makes sense. Um, yes. And I agree, oh, go go ahead.
0: ahead. No, go ahead.
1: I agree with what you're saying about creativity and innovation too. And I just think about like the human dynamics of the attracting energy versus shutting energy down. And when today we are moving from a more tactical, transactional world to a very relational, connected, energetic world. And so when someone experiences shame, disrespect, and the shutdown that your voice doesn't matter, they're like, okay. Like my daughter was just saying the other day, McKaylee's in high school and she was talking about, we were talking about the church. And she was saying that she feels her generation, when people kind of snub her generation as like, well, you don't know, or you're just kids. They're like, okay, whatever. And they just turn and walk away. They don't really, they're not going to own that shame and be like, oh boy, what is it going to take for them to be pleased with me? What can I do that they'll respect me? They don't care. They just turn and walk away. They're like, um, I'm not going to be shamed. And if that's what is going on here, I'm going to go someplace else. Exactly. And so, there's this way that if as leaders, you're not curious, your main, your workers of the future say, ah, not for me. And they turn right. and they walk away because they're not going to tolerate being shamed. They're not going to tolerate being treated as if they're lesser than. They're just going to go where they can be themselves and they can explore and be who they are without having that negative. So either you're going to attract the energy because you've learned how to be curious, or you're going to shut it down.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And so you it, it, you almost have to. Um, and this this may lead us into our, our third um, idea about this, but I want to hold on to that for a minute. But it you have to. You also ha- you have to make people in that sense you have to create a culture that entices uh, you where people want to be curious. And if you do that, then you can draw them in. So it depends on the industry or the, the, the domain you're in, but, you know, specific to, to the church framework um, you create, you know, you want to create this curiosity that people will want to at least come in and investigate, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so, I mean, and that takes a lot of work, and a lot of people, you know, putting in that work and that intentionality is huge. Um, so, you know, there have been some M, uh, MRI studies, some neuroscience studies in, in in the concept of curiosity, and there's that they break them down into to do, two different types. One of those types is called perceptual curiosity, and the idea is is when you're it's it's the one when you're surprised. Or you find something unexpected, you know, one of those ahas, or oh my goodness, look what I found, those kinds of things. And so when they when they uh, when they looked at that in a uh, functional MRI, they found that that particular type of curiosity is associated with the parts of your brain that work that usually work um, when you're hungry or thirsty. Huh. Uh, and the idea, you know, the idea of that is you need something. Uh, and so curiosity, this, so, so curiosity is this, this aspect of you need to know something.
1: Huh.
0: Uh, the, the other, the other part, uh, and i I'm trying to find it, what they call it real quick, but, uh, I'm not going to get there. Um, it shows up in the parts of the brain Where you're expecting a reward, uh, reward. like, you know, when somebody's giving you a piece Mm -hmm. of chocolate or you sit in the theater and you're waiting for the, that anticipation where you're waiting for the curtain to go up. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, you know, so it's reward centered. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's like, oh my goodness. And that, that one's kind of the, that's the driving force. I'll just, for me, uh, this curiosity that takes me down a rabbit hole and I figure something out. Mm-hmm. that's where, that's that reward aspect for me is like huge
1: yeah okay so say so sorry I was distracted because that's, that's the nucleus I think your your one was the ventral the VTA versus the NAC just for the scientific people is that what you're trying to remember nucleus accumbus
0: um I, I not the specific brain areas brain. Okay. yeah I'm not I'm, I don't have that in front of me um, but just it, more
1: about this reward system. So the reward system. So that piece of it is what part of that, like um, the curiosity. So there's a reward. So I get the first one, um, yeah. and it's really fascinating because hungry or thirsty is really reminds me of Maslow's um, IRP yeah. functioning. Like this is survival. Is right. oh, where is this coming from? Like the, it's kind of this survival need. It's a core part of our operating and exactly. then the other parts so the reward system say a little bit more about that and how that yeah. yeah
0: so if 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 something pops up um I was trying to think of a specific example but let's say I want to um, I run up on something I don't know about um, about a specific kind of car or a specific, no let's that's not a good example. Um, uh, a painter. Okay. Uh, and so I see this painting in a, in a museum and I, I said, oh, that's, that's interesting. I wonder who painted that. And so I find out the artist. And so my curiosity for the artist is I wonder where he's from. I wonder what his background is. Uh, so I Google it. Right. And then the, you start going down this rabbit hole of he's painted this and he's done this and and then I find out he's from my own hometown and turns out he's only a couple of years younger than me then there is this reward that 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 rises oh my gosh I know something oh my gosh I know him oh my gosh you know so there's or um if you're if you're stuck on something at work and you're you're just um, you can't let it go and start you so you start searching for answers uh, and then you finally figure it out there's that reward for oh my gosh I did it I figured it out this is going to help us go you know down this road or down that road Mm -hmm. Um, and and so there is this there's this sense of excitement that it sticks and so you begin to remember those things so those become emotional things that you remember uh and you can always go back to and it and it keeps pushing you forward i finished this uh my reward is oh my gosh this aha moment and and now it's gonna it's gonna keep me motivated to continue down this path
1: Mm mm-hmm yeah that's great Right, because you're making those connections, you're making associations, and as soon as there's that emotional, that activates back into our limbic system, which the positive part of that is creating those emotional connections, which then burns in that memory in a positive way. But I like how you're saying like it's going to drive the motivation, so really tying that back to leadership and work and culture, if in a meeting or if in a conversation with a team member or a fellow leader, and you're asking questions and you're being curious instead of telling, but you're asking that question and that person makes that connection. It it almost goes back to what you said at the beginning where you have to pretend that it's their idea or whatever, but it's in a similar but different way where they are answering a question and all of a sudden they make a connection. Exactly. Now they're more motivated. They're more interested and engaged in what you're talking about versus if you're like, go do X, Y, Z. That's a command and order. It's a dead end road versus what would this be like? How could we engage our customers? How could we get more feedback from our customers? How could we create more engagement online in our social media channels? Whatever it is, if you're asking that question, it cultivates the curiosity, then the connections, then the motivation. Yeah, that's nice. Okay, cool. So our last one, real quick, um, (laughs) what cultivates curiosity? Where, so if we understand, okay, if we don't have curiosity, we shut it down. We understand why we want to have curiosity. There's so many benefits. How in the world do I develop this skill of curiosity?
0: So our, our, in that question, is it, how do we, how do we Um, How do we do it ourselves, or are we thinking more from an organizational standpoint?
1: I think either one. I personally feel like if you're not curious as a leader, you're not actually role modeling it. You don't get a pass on this to be like, okay, everybody else be curious, but not me. No, no. A leader who is curious makes it, it's almost like a leader who fails and fails forward makes it safe for the team to fail and to fail forward. The perfect leader creates the need for a perfect team. So there is no space for failure. The curious leader who's asking questions and doesn't know makes it safe for the team to be curious, to ask questions and to not know. So I personally believe it starts with the leader in order to, you know, cultivate a culture of curiosity is really stemmed from that leader but there's things in in organizations too what are your thoughts
0: yeah so so um you know at some level curiosity is genetic Mm -hmm. um we some of us are just born curious um your kids are incredibly curious they ask that question why 500 times a day Mm -hmm. um so many ways i think education kills that in us Mm -hmm. Um, because i just think that that creativity and that why and that inquiry and that curiosity are are, we're taught not to worry about that just listen to what i have to say and get it done Mm -hmm. uh So I, you know, I think so. So we almost have to overcome that. Um, And so so part of that is, I think, is genetics. I think, you know, I think that as leaders, we have to we have to create a culture of leadership, a culture of curiosity. Um, And and whether that's a parent or, you know, someone who heads a, a the CEO, um, that is something we have to create. So, so when I think in terms of, in those kinds of terms, um, I'm going to think of modeling it. So admit when we don't know something, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then seek out the answers. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one way to do it. Celebrate it. When you, when you hear somebody ask a great question, you, you, you celebrate that. And then, um, uh, when they, when they are curious and they, they go down those rabbit holes or they, you know, they, they come to those aha moments, then you celebrate it, you praise it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, and then the third is to make room for it. Um, so create space in your life for curiosity and play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think play is is kind of an expression of curiosity, mm-hmm. um, because we're we're imagining what if even if it's if it's not realistic, we're building that create. You're answering those questions, especially kids. They're answering those questions. You know, what is the you know when when they try to figure out why something works. Um, I like my son all the time. He says, dad, I know, uh, I know how this works and he'll tell me and I, you know, you know, it's not right, but he he's, he's trying to figure it out. He's curious about it. And so he wants to know more. Mm -hmm. So I think you engage in play.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, and I think those are, are ways to, to cultivate curiosity.
1: Yeah, agree. I like what you're saying with the genetic piece. I think more, I really agree with the childhood. And I think as children, there are some children, to your point, who ask the why question more. I was one of them. Um, and, but I think all children ask the question why, because they're discovering and they are playing and they are learning. And I do feel, especially in America, There is a way that we have been a bit institutional and so we in our institutional efforts with the best intentions to grow skill and to grow learning and to systematize something we've done that with really great intentions but it's become a little institutional and it actually kind of bats that learning and creativity and curiosity out of us and so as and then also you know you're bad like oh you ask too many questions you're too loud you're too this and children learn that they need to be quiet they need to sit still they need to listen and all of these things are squashing that energy which is where we saw that rise what i would associate more in that 3.0 era the montessori schools where no we're not going to give a worksheet that has lines to color in you're going to get a white piece of paper and you can draw whatever you want to i think in the 4.0 you don't get paper there is a art room and you can make whatever you want to you don't have to color if you don't want to if you want to make a rocket ship with paper instead, knock yourself out. You can make a rocket ship out of your paper instead of drawing one on paper. And that's this flat to the 3D that we're moving into from the two, three, four, which is really interesting. Um, A great book is The Artist's Way, which is kind of getting back in touch with our sense of play and intuitively kind of know, I need to go outside and just put my feet in the grass or I just need to be outside in the sun and go for a walk and that we have squashed some of our intuition, which is coupled with our curiosity and we've prized the brain and the knowledge and knowing, which isn't really where our curiosity lives as much in the brain. There's there's other things going on, other dynamics that is creating that curiosity. A couple of, real quick, a couple skills I think of for leaders, number one, Sometimes we have to make rules for ourselves. We're so used to leading. So you might make a rule for yourself, like ask three questions before you give your answer. So if they're like, hey, boss, I don't know what to do. Hey, how do we solve this problem? Yes, you're busy. Yes, things are moving faster. And you want to go, well, just do this. No. Bite your tongue, get a book on asking questions. Uh, Go get the book, Conversational Intelligence, and deepen your ability to have conversations and ask questions. But ask three questions before you give that answer of your perspective. To me, another thing that we can do is we can intentionally engage in the opposite perspective. If you have a bias towards one side or one view of things, go look at another perspective on that and make yourself a regular student of opposite perspectives because it will expand your mind to be like, huh, why would they say that? I don't even understand that. How can they have that perspective? Great, thank you. You've arrived at curiosity, go explore. So just being really intentional in, are you deepening your biases or are you helping to be curious about what you think and why you think? And then one other thing, I love your thing on trying new things and kind of that, I think that plays into the adaptability, like changing, or I'm sorry, I guess it was two things. Um, It plays into being adaptable because if every day, like you, you know, I put this bookshelf in and now I had to reorganize my books, that's change, but I'm actually stimulating my mind by not having it the same. And a lot of times we've talked about that before. I love things to be the same because now I can move faster, but A lot of times it creates a lazy mind and we don't want a lazy mind. We want a sharp mind and we want an agile mind. So changing one thing a day, a drawer, the way you do something, your schedule, your routine can be really good, even though a lot of times we talk about building routines in order to help automate things. But sometimes we have to change things. And the last thing real quick is just as a leader, to always look for two to three ways. Okay, great. We could do it this way. What's another way? That's a really good idea. And we could do that, but for the sake of creativity and curiosity, what's another way? And that we create a practice of looking at multiple ways to do something before we make a decision. But I just think it's intentional stuff that we're not used to doing.
0: Yeah. And I would agree. You know, we, we, we think about, um, I think about innovation in that regard. And I think about, uh, the, the history of post-it notes, uh, you know, post-it notes came, uh, resulted from a guy in, at 3M trying things, mm-hmm. uh, and, and 3M gives their employees or expects their employees to spend 20% of their week on something not related to what they're working on. Like you got free reign to go do the think and build and be creative and, and all of those kinds of things. And that's why I think, you know, that's kind of that aspect of play. Let me play around with something. Uh, let me play out, play around with this idea. Let me play, play around with another use for, uh, mm-hmm. and so, um, so what we, when we create that expectation within our, within our organization that I want you to spend X percent of your time doing something totally unrelated to your current work, uh, then it, 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 I mean, it does a lot for your, for your organization, but, but it, One of the things it does is it gives your employees the ability to play Mm -hmm. and come up with different ideas, different ways of doing things and innovating. Uh, I mean, for goodness sake, who doesn't love a good post-it note?
1: Right. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm glad they're out. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Really good. And that is interesting. Like, do we have time for play? And I think that's where the Artist way book comes in where it yeah. gives you actually some ideas because um, I had a client a couple of years ago and that's what she loved most was just helping people play. And she's like, is that even a reasonable business? Yes. That's a reasonable business yeah. because we have lost the ability to play as adults. We've become such human doings that we've lost our being Side of us and play as part of that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, some organizations say, well, that's not being, that's not being efficient. It's not being productive, but I mean, you know, that's a waste of time. Uh, I don't want to play, pay my employees to play, uh, you know, those kinds of things. But I mean, again, post-it notes have made 3M a ton of money, uh and and who knows what else has come out of that kind of framework right. google does the same way uh you know they expect that they have that same expectation so i mean gmail was was one of those things that kind of developed out of that and who doesn't have a gmail account uh you know so right. Right. uh so so if 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 companies are worried about that, then they need to t- t- take a look at those two examples. And, and and look, if you've got the people, if you create that culture of, of curiosity, then that allows, then you're going to find those people who are going to come up with those brilliant ideas.
1: Absolutely, right. Yeah, it spurs other innovation and other creativity, all really from curiosity versus right. if someone's like, oh, we don't need that. Now we're shutting that down. So there's a way that we really are truly, pivoting out of this era of 2.0, which was a lot about move faster and we don't have time to ask all these questions and whatnot and not saying that there wasn't a lot of creativity in that era and a lot of curiosity in that era as well, but the quest was more about production and we're shifting. And it, it feels too that there's even a shifted value And it is valuable to have time for curiosity, even if you're not being as productive, that it is more important to give time for curiosity than to be massively productive all the time. Absolutely. Which feels, you know, you can go, what? How is that possible? But something to chew on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, me. All right, well, I think we have to wrap up for today, but hopefully this has been uh, an interesting listen for other people as well. We would love to hear from you guys and the, you who are listening, what do you find for curiosity? What things do you do to help yourself be more curious? Exactly. What um, have you found as the benefits of when you're curious? Maybe you have a story of somebody who you are with that wasn't curious and the impact that that had on you. Sometimes we learn more from those experiences and someone may resonate with your story and how curiosity got shut down and the impact of that. But as leaders, we want to be really incredibly curious. And so we'd love for you to share your thoughts and ideas on curiosity too.
0: Absolutely. Awesome. Well, listen, um, I hope you have a great week, Christy.
1: All right, you two. Thanks again. All (laughs) righty. All right, take care. Bye.
0: Take care. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Innovative Leader Podcast with Christy Geiger and David Phillips. If you have questions, ideas, or thoughts to share, please do so in the comments. Help us raise the level of leadership and share with other leaders. We want to grow a community of leaders supporting one another. Follow us on YouTube or subscribe on the channel where you get your podcasts. To learn more, check out InnovativeLeader.co. Have a great week and lead well. It matters.